This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Good morning, good morning. So glad to see you here today in this uh, bipolar weather we live with. <laughs> kind of up and down, isn't it? Well, if you're a guest, I welcome you. If you're a regular, we're good. glad to have you here. If you need a Bible, once you raise your hand up real high, our ushers would gladly get you the Word of God. I, I, I welcome you getting into the Word with me. I believe it's still significant that not only we read our Bible, but we study it and we allow God to move with us. So there's an old statement that says, if it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's probably not new. And that's what happens with the Word of God. So again, a couple thoughts here before we get going. Go to 2 Timothy 3 is where we're going to begin. 2 Timothy chapter 3. I have this thought that is there a lack of the prophetic that has taken place with even the Word of God? And when I talk about the prophetic, oftentimes we think of the foretelling of future events. But when I talk about the the prophetic pertaining to the Word of God, the Lord Jesus himself said in John 16, 13, he said, the spirit of truth the Holy Spirit who will lead you and guide you into the truth. And he'll also bring be the one that will cause revelations of the word of God to come alive within us. And I believe this is part of the neglect of the body of Christ is not teaching about the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're gonna begin here today and what you're gonna see throughout the morning is how the Holy Spirit works in line with the word of God. It's incredible. And so it puts an expectation within us. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Uh, The Amplified says, great stress and trouble. Uh, the, The word perilous itself describes a society that is barren of virtue. So as the Apostle Paul takes off here in this writing, we are to continue in the gospel in the face of great increase of evil. Now, this is taking place right now, I believe. We are seeing things elevated and multiplied in the area of evil beyond anything we've ever seen. So there are warnings right here that we need to get a hold of. And in verse two, verse three, verse four, He's going to list or give a list of of behavioral uh, issues within every one of us. Now, as we go through this list, you can do two things. One, you can look and say, wow, this really does define our society that we live in. Or do any of these in this list, do, do they define my life? Do they define your life? So put your seatbelt on, get ready, okay? Verse two. For men will be lovers of themselves. Truth. This is happening right now. In this selfie world that we live in. Lovers of myself. The next thing he goes on, and I'll start going a little faster. Lovers of money. Boasters and proud or arrogant. Blasphemers, one that begin to mock all that is right. 
Disobedience to parents. Wow, that's a good one. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good. You know what one translation says for that? We are belligerent haters of what is good and right. Hmm. Okay, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure than rather than lovers of God. So I look at that and I think it's a pretty good description of the society we get to live in right now. But he doesn't stop there. Verse number five. And having a form of godliness, a pretense of godliness, Better yet, we know how to speak in Christianese. And so we have this thought, you know, just because I have 10 different Bibles and 10 different translations of my Bible, just because I wear a cross around my neck, just because I have the God Squad bumper sticker on my car, I take on the form of Christian. But the power is denied. The very power that could make me what God desires me to be. And so it's said this way, as the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, the church has rejected the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So the power he talks about that we've denied is the heart of Christianity. First of all, the risen redeemer. Second of all, the truth of the word of God. And third, the indwelling and overflowing power of the Holy Spirit. Now it's interesting the things that the apostle Paul is telling this young man named Timothy. This is what begins to take place. And I believe it's happening. Verse 13. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse. They will flourish and they will progress, deceiving and being deceived. They will try to lead people further and further away from the truth of the word of God. We're seeing this. Verse 14, now pay close attention here. But you must continue. You must continue in the things which you have learned and be assured of knowing from whom you've learned them. You must continue day by day by day in the truth. Verse 15, and that from your childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Well, he gets over on and he, he's telling this young man, Timothy, he said, you've known the Holy Scripture since you were a little bitty guy. You gotta stay with you, you gotta continue. You know why I believe he's telling us this? Because this book never changes. This book is the word of God. And I heard this the other day that within the church of America, 
Only 46% of Bible born again Christians believe that there is an absolute word, an absolute truth. Only 46, but that's half of Christians believe this is absolute truth. I'm going to give you a little thought on that. It's either all true or none of it's true. And so we got to stay with the word, and this is what he told them. And I highlight because we're getting further and further from the gospel. That's why when I say, do you need a Bible, raise your hand. We want to get the word in your hand where you can see it. He goes on to say here, verse 16, and all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. Better stated, this is called the plenary verbal inspiration of scriptures. And the word plenary actually literally means it is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. Ooh, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. You're the great teacher. You're the spirit of truth. We got to have him. So he highlights what the word of God does for us. That it is profitable for doctrine, for how I'm to live, for reproof, for correction. Do you know the word of God will correct you? If, if you'll allow it to. And for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So he's telling us the word of God has the ability to mature me and to prepare me for my assignment right here on earth. So you begin to see here what happens not only when I get the word of God, But when I allow the Holy Spirit to come and when I say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. Teach me the word. Give me revelation. Give me insight on the word of God. Now, go back to your left just a little bit to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And this is the Apostle Paul's letter here again to the church at Corinth. And he has some interesting statements here in in 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 4. And we have such trust, reliance, or confidence through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient or qualified of ourselves. To think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. Thank you, Father God. Verse 6, who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Now, the new covenant wasn't based on my abilities, wasn't based on me at all. It was based on what Jesus did. So we're saved by grace through faith. So the new covenant is the grace of the living God that happens to me and what Jesus did for each one of us. So he goes on to say something interesting here. Who has also made a sufficient of the ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now, if you look at what he's talking about, the letter kills, the day that Moses gave the Mosaic law, this is Exodus 32, 
3,000 people died. We can't keep the law out of our own ability. We could never do it. Mankind never could do it. But when I look at the the outpouring of the Spirit of God in Acts 2, 3,000 people in one day were born again. The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Better stated, when all I have is the Word of God, I dry up. When all I have is the Spirit of God, I blow up. But when I take the Word of God with the Holy Spirit, I grow up. I heard this statement the other day, and it really, really caused me to really think about this. As the Jews rejected Jesus as the Messiah, the church has rejected the Holy Spirit. Now, if I read this correctly here again, the letter kills, but the Holy Spirit gives life. So if I don't look to the Holy Spirit, I I reject the very power that causes me to live differently. And without the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the church can't make an impact. We've proven that. We, we We can't impact people We can't impact the ungodly, our society, or our young ones without the Holy Spirit. It can't be done. And so I want to highlight this again, how the Holy Spirit works with the Word of God still to this day. Now, to let you see this a little bit about how it looks biblically, go with me back to your left to the very first part here of the Old Testament in 1 Samuel 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. And what takes place is when you hit, hit, get here in 1 Samuel, you come into what they call the prophets. Before the prophets, you had the book of Judges. In the time of the Judges, it was a very bad time in the life of the church. And it says in Judges 21, 25, the issue was everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I want you to think about that statement. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. This is kind of the direction of America right now. And when everyone does what they do in their own eyes, it becomes very chaotic. Now, what would your life look like if you did everything that was right in your own eyes and you take the Bible out of the equation and you don't have anything to live by? I can tell you what would happen to this guy. It would be a mess with a capital M. So this is what was going on in their time. The other issue was the priest was a guy named Eli. And Eli had two sons named Hophni and Phinehas. And they were Christians in name. They took on the form of Christian but they denied the power. And so they had the title of a priest, but they sure didn't resemble a priest. And it says that Hophni and Phinehas, that this, this is 1 Samuel 12, or 2 verse 12, it says, they were corrupt and they did not know the Lord. The, the statement they did not know the Lord literally means they didn't fear him and they wouldn't obey him. Now, this was who the leaders of the church were. 
So you can get an idea. The church was in bad shape at this time. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. He was serving under Eli's direction. Eli was the priest. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was scarce in those days. In other words, no one was telling anybody the truth of the word of God. And it goes on to say, and there was no widespread revelation. In other words, the Holy Spirit wasn't invited to bring that revelation. So what takes place here is the word was rare because sin had blocked the revelation of the word of God. Even within the church. Scary for me to think about that. And this is, this is the heart of today. Guys, we gotta stay with the word. I, I look at how our society resembles a lot of this. Verse two. And it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, and when his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. Now, I believe to a degree this was his spiritual, uh, his spiritual eyes. They had weakened or grown dim. And the reason of this is he tolerated the behavior of his, his sons. And what you see here is measure for measure. As he turned a blind eye to what his sons were doing, the end result was his eyes begin to grow dim. Verse three. And before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. Now I wanna highlight something here. It says here, and before the lamp of the God went out. Where did the lamp of God go out? In the tabernacle. The lamp of God went out within the church. So the church was still existing, but the church had become very dark. It had lost its ability to influence. The lamp went out in the tabernacle. Now the only other place I can find where this really highlights this is the Lord Jesus wrote to seven churches in the book of Revelations, chapter two and three. To the church of Ephesus in, in uh, Revelations two, verse five, it said the lamp went out. The reason it gone out is was cause their sin and they wouldn't repent of their sin. So guess what he's telling us here? The seriousness of sin. The second thing I want to highlight here is it talks about the ark. It literally said, and, and the, Lord, uh, the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was. If you look at the ark of the covenant, what this was talking about, it was the presence of God. The ark was the manifested presence of God. So the light has gone out. And the ark, the presence, is nowhere to be found. So what begins to happen with Eli and his sons, they viewed the ark as a relic instead of the actual presence of God. So they begin to put more stock in the creation instead of the creator. 
They took God out of the equation. So I read verse 3 and you get, man, the church is in a bad place. I don't want the the light to go out in the church. I I cherish the presence of God. And I believe that's that's the heart that's got to get back in here. That we've got to fight to keep the lamp from going out. He goes on to say here. The end of verse 3 where the ark of God was and while Samuel was lying down. That the Lord called Samuel and he answered and said, here I am. So he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And he said, I did not call. Lie down again. And he went and lay down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose, went to Eli and he said, here I am, for you called me. And he answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And so what he's literally talking about here is that in in his life, he didn't know God in a personal or direct way yet. Verse 8. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. So he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did not call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down and it shall be if he calls you that you must say, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood and called as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak, for your servant hears. God knew Samuel by his name. And God knows me and you by our name. And he was taught that when the Lord calls on you, this is what you do. This is how you respond. What I see with this guy named Samuel is when God called to him, Samuel made himself available. God wanted Eli and Hophnus and finally, he wanted all those to respond, but they just didn't have time for God. And I think about this in your life and my life. How do I react when God calls to me? Do I just ignore the call? Do I hang up? Do I put God on hold? Or do I just let God's call to me go to voicemail? See, I believe with all my heart, God is still in the business of speaking. We just haven't made it a priority. And I say we. I find out there's days in my life I can try to make excuses. I can try to think, well, I'm too busy. But when Samuel learned on what to do and he took the time God spoke to him and God still speaks to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and he still speaks to us through his word. But I gotta have an appetite just as our team sang today. I'm available. Well, when we sang that song, how many of you in here said I'm available but when it really comes to being available, I'm not available. See, it's easy to say I'm available. 
So when he speaks to Samuel, God tells Samuel, there's getting ready to be huge consequences for Eli and his sons. And God tells Samuel exactly what he's going to do. Now, for time's sake, go to verse 15. So Samuel lay down until morning, and he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He's at church, guys. He's at church. And he opens the house of the doors. And Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. You know why? It wasn't good. But 1 Peter 4, it says, judgment begins at the house of the Lord. And he was saying, this is what's going to take place with Eli. This is what, and Samuel didn't want to tell him, but keep reading, verse 16. Then Eli called Samuel, and Samuel said, my son, and he answered, here I am. And he said, what is the word that the Lord spoke to you? Eli, no, God spoke to him. He said, what is it? Please do not hide it from me. God, do so, and more also, if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you, that God would strike you and kill you if you don't tell me everything. Verse 18, then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. He didn't pat him on the back and say, you know what? God's good with, Eli, with you, Eli. He's okay with how you live. No, it said he told him the truth and he didn't hide anything. Now, here's what the truth was. In one day, both of your sons are gonna die. And not long after that, you're going to die. Because they wouldn't repent from their sins, from their behaviors. And you ever study this, what they did? It's incredible what they did. It blows me away that these guys are taking on the form of Christian. But the power's denied. In God I trust only when I lust for the apple of my eye. And that's what they did. They, they used God to get what they wanted. And so when one day those two boys died, and when Eli got word that his sons were died, and the Philistines had taken the ark, it said that he was in a rocking chair, he fell over backwards, broke his neck, and he died. Wow. So Samuel tells him the truth. Verse 19. Now watch this. This is powerful. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And that statement, his words did not fall to the ground is because God fulfills his word. Verse 20, and all from Israel, from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God revealed himself by the word of the Lord. And so to, to get around God, I gotta get in the word and it ends this and it says, and the word of Samuel came to all of Israel. So things begin to change at the church of Shiloh 
when God got rid of the, the frauds and he put in a man after his own heart, a man who would tell people the truth. And so I believe in the era of Samuel, the light lit back up. God still wants to move. He still wants to speak. But it takes a group of people that say, man, I desire the truth. I, I welcome the power of the Holy Spirit. And so what I saw in this with Eli and his son's life, their public life and their private life didn't match up. You know, you can fool a lot of people in your public life. But only God knows what happens behind closed doors. Wow. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Ooh, God begin to restore things. And I believe that's his desire again today, that he begins to move back within the church. Do you know the Lord Jesus said in, in Matthew 16? He said, and I'll build my church. The church isn't ours. The church is Jesus. He said, and I'll build my church. And the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I pray that a lot, guys, right there. What's the vision for the church? It's not my vision, it's his. And you know what the vision he said about the church was? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. <laughs> he said, lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He said, cast out devils and they'll go. See, Jesus is the trendsetter of the vision. I'm not. He, he set the vision. And he highlighted it, he said, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. I'm going to give you a little side track here. I'm in Israel two years ago. And we go to the far northern part, right below Mount Hermon, to a place called Caesarea Philippi. And when Jesus said this to the disciples, this is where Jesus asked Peter, who do you say that I am? And he said, some say you're a prophet, some say you're a priest, some say you're John the Baptist, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. And because he confessed Jesus as Lord, Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Bar-Jonah. Blessed. Okay, so he's blessed. Then that's where the Lord Jesus said, and I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. Up against the rocks at the base of Mount Hermon was a place where they sacrificed their children to the bells. Now, when I think about that, can, can you imagine sacrificing children? Better yet, your own children to these false gods. And so here's what Jesus did after Peter says this. He says, the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. He points to that area where they're sacrificing children to these false gods. And you know what he said? It doesn't get any worse than that. 
The worst it gets is when you sacrifice children. And they sacrifice children to the God of Moloch. We've sacrificed children in the name of abortion. And the Lord said, it doesn't get any worse than that. And I begin to say, Father God, help us. Help us, Lord, to live for you. And again, I'm not throwing stones. If you've aborted a child, I pray you're the blessing of God on you. That God is able to forgive you and to restore you. God loves you, okay? Actually, every bit of that was free. That was just a God thought right there. That I believe we need to hear. Hebrews 2, verse 1. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed, all the more careful attention to the things we've heard. You better pay attention to the word of God. You better pay attention to the word of God. Why? Look, look how he ends in verse 1. Lest we drift away. You know, there's a warning right there that if I don't pay attention to the word of God, I begin to drift away. How many in here know people that have drifted away? I know people. And this is what happens when we don't grab a hold of the word of God and live by it. Verse two, for if the word spoken through angels and what that was talking about refers to the Mosaic law, Deuteronomy 33, for the word spoken through angels, it proves steadfast. And every transgression and every sin and disobedience received a just reward, a retribution or a penalty. The very thing that happened with Hophni, Eli, and Phinehas, there's going to be judgment. And what did he say? Judgment, transgression, or sin, or every act of, of disobedience. Wow. Ooh, help us, Jesus. Verse three, how shall we escape if we neglect so a great a salvation? Not just the salvation, a great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Now, leading up to this, he's highlighted here the power of what we gotta do with the word of God, stay with it. Now watch real close how the Holy Spirit works in conjunction with the word of God. Verse four, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with very miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. This is what God wants to do. He just doesn't want us to believe in the word of God. He wants us to believe the Holy Spirit's gonna show up. That is Mark 16, 20, that God would actually confirm his word with signs following. And so what would happen if this became my expectation? Do you know John 6, 63 says, it's the spirit that gives life. It's the Holy Spirit that gives life. Now, I've said this many times. The three smartest things I did in life were in this order. Number one, I got born again. I gave my heart to Jesus. I said, Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I'm sorry for all my stinking sins. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart and be Lord of my life. 
Number two, I begin to get a little knowledge on the, the Holy Spirit. And so I said, I welcome the Holy Spirit. What was the third one, Pastor? I married Shelly. She had to put up with me for 40 years. Solo Dios sabe, only God knows. I wonder at times where my life could be if I wouldn't have got born again and got filled with the Holy Spirit. I can tell you, okay? I know where it'd been. I would either be dead or I'd be in the penitentiary. You believe that with all, I do believe that with all my heart because of my lifestyle and the way I was going. And so my boast isn't on me. My boast is what God did within me. My boast is a God that still restores. My boast is a God that, that still moves through the power of the Holy Spirit that begins to bless me on the inside. And so God will begin to move in our lives when we begin to respond with him. But let me ask you something today. Are you available? Our God's not into ability, he's into availability. And so there's been a lot of spoken on here this morning. But I believe we live in this certain times, perilous times. And you know, if any of those things on that list described you, man, I'm gonna welcome you to come down here today. Why don't you stand on your feet? Where you say, man, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've gotten off track. Let me ask you something. Have you taken the form of Christian but denied the very power that can change you? Ooh, our God is a good God. And so as our team gets ready to sing here, I welcome you to come down today. Whether it's to repent whether it's to receive Jesus as Lord of your life, whether you come in and say, fill me with the Holy Spirit today, God. I, I ask you to cause the word to come alive in me. And then I, I think one of the biggest things today in my own life is said, Lord, I want to be available. When, when you speak, I respond. I respond quickly and quietly. And so as they, they, they sing here, guys, I, I welcome you to come down here. It's like, I need you today, Father God. I need you today, Holy Spirit. Go ahead, guys. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.